Welcome to Workproof Your Brain and Body, a podcast about tools, strategies, and ideas you can use as a busy professional to upgrade your health and fitness. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Workproof Your Brain and Body. Now, in this episode, I'm going to talk about something that gets talked about all the time in personal development and also when working with clients they continually bring this up as one of the problems of why they're not getting what they're getting and that is motivation and in this episode I'm going to talk about how motivation can mess you up. So Stephen King is the author of 61 novels and sold around 350 million copies. In his book on writing, he detailed a little bit about his daily routine. He'd sit down between about 8 and 8.30 with either some water or just a cup of tea. He would be in the same room and the same seat each time. He'd play his music and have a daily target of 2,000 words. He wouldn't get up until he hit that target, which was usually... Uh, meant he would finish between 11 and 1 o'clock. Now, another successful person. In his keynote speech in Washington, D.C., Jeff Bezos talked about his daily routine. Some key points were he would get at least eight hours of sleep and seek to make his most challenging decisions in the morning meetings. And the key distinction he makes is the senior executive's main role is to make a small number of high-quality decisions, not to make thousands of decisions each day. Now, in both of these examples, where does motivation come into it? Does Stephen King have to sum up the motivation to start writing? Or does Jeff Bezos need motivation to have to make the important decisions? Does he have to motivate himself to go to those meetings? No, of course they don't. And this is why I think the concept of motivation, as it is known in society, is so flawed. And, you know, this is a perfect example. According to a survey by Mintel, they found that 63% of adults would like to get incentives from brands to reward them for a healthier lifestyle. Now, if you said that, if you thought about that, you probably think the same. You know, if you were doing things and you got incentivized for it, uh, why not? Motivation is very hard to sustain if the main fuel is external to yourself. In Dan Pink's book Drive, he touches on this point. Pink mentions that algorithmic jobs, like working in a checkout or on a factory line, where the task is pretty much the same each time, External rewards are pretty effective to maintain at least enough motivation to turn up. And I can tell you, having worked in a number of these types of jobs, I can tell you that it doesn't motivate you enough to enjoy the job. It just motivates you to get there each day and do the job. However, jobs that he refers to as many heuristic in nature, i.e. they have little instruction and regular problems to solve, the more intrinsic motivation is required. In these jobs, our motivation comes from three sources. Autonomy, and this is the desire to feel like we are in control of our own path. There is mastery, 
the desire to get better in something we deem that matters, and purpose, doing something in the service of something larger than ourselves. And maybe you can think about something that you've done in your work or your life in general and compare it to the things that you felt that you weren't motivated by to the things that you were motivated by. The ones where you didn't really have to think about it to do it. You just did it because most likely it came from one of these three sources, autonomy, mastery, or purpose. And what can you notice about these three factors? Well, what you can notice is that they are largely intrinsic, and that is the key I'd like you to take away from this podcast episode. Whatever you do, whether it is to do less of something you feel you are doing too much of, or more of something you feel that you are doing too little of, your success will depend on how you want to be motivated about that compels you to move. I'll repeat that. Your success will depend on how you want to be motivated about compels you to move. So how can you ensure you are compelled towards something? Well, let's say something simple. You want to exercise more. It's a common thing that people feel they want to get motivated about. They want to exercise more. So the first is important to say, motivation should be a behind-the-scenes act. Do you need to be motivated to eat each day? How about brushing your teeth? Both of these, you are compelled to move towards doing these, but you don't think about it. You just do it. That is because they are habits. So whenever the words motivation utters your lips, it is because the act you want to be motivated to do, A, isn't currently a habit, and B, the thought of doing it compels you more to not do it than to do it. So now, this is a three-part process to being compelled to act. Some would say motivated. First, you have to see the act as enjoyable. If we take the exercise example, are you really going to exercise if you imagine yourself collapsed in a pool of sweat and struggling to perform even the most basic exercise? Think about if you were to meet a friend next week for coffee. As you think about it, what would make you even more excited about the meetup? Maybe seeing the smile on their face as they greet you. Or maybe it's the feeling of comfort as you sink into your chair with your coffee. Listening to your friend, maybe it's hearing about all they have been up to since you last met and all the stories you have to tell them. Wouldn't you be excited about that meetup? Of course you would. So when you create a vision in your mind of an enjoyable experience of the act, it can compel you to want to make it a reality. Remember, motivation isn't a thing. When you say, I just need the motivation to do X, what you are actually saying is, I need to feel compelled. And so the first act of feeling compelled to act is to see the act as enjoyable in your mind. Number two, see the outcome as beneficial. Why do you spend at least two minutes at the beginning and end of the day brushing your teeth? Why do you do it? No one can see you do it. When was the last time you saw someone Instagramming themselves brushing their teeth? Now, I'm sure there is, but I haven't seen it. The act produces no social brownie points, but the outcome is beneficial for your social status. 
What do you think of your promotion chances with yellow teeth and ponging breath? What do you think of your dental bill? What would rotten teeth do for your self-confidence? We brush our teeth because we have had the benefit of doing it drilled into us since we were toddlers. So when we want to be compelled to do something, it is important you construct the outcome in your mind as more beneficial than if you didn't do something. So let's say it's the end of the evening and you have some dishes to wash. You really can't be bothered, but then start start imagining if you didn't do them. Well, they'd be left overnight and you've got no time in the morning because you've got to go to work. So they would stay there till tomorrow evening. You may as well spend a couple of minutes washing them now to get it out of the way. So you've just very subtly imagined the outcome better if you did the dishes now than if you didn't. So you want to exercise more. Imagine the outcome of doing it more beneficial than the outcome if you didn't do it. Think of that endorphin release. Think of the energy you get after exercise. Think of the feeling of satisfaction having been well on your way to continuing that exercise habit. Think of the increasing self-confidence you are getting as you experience the benefits of regular exercise. Now, an American writer called Dorothy Parker once noted that she hates writing but loves to have written. I like this quote because it points to what I'm saying about here. Get compelled to do something by constructing the outcome in your mind as beneficial. Number three, see the start of the act as easy to initiate. Now, a common solution given out for writer's block is to commit to writing just one line a day. There is a trick to this solution because the provider of this advice knows that once a writer sits down and writes one line, they know the writer will likely just write another and another and another. They just needed an easy task to initiate rather than having the barrier in their head of thinking that they had to write a whole chapter. If you feel you need motivation to start something or stop something, you have a far better chance of success if the act is easy to initiate. So, for example, if you wanted to exercise more, what do you see as your chances of success if the act of doing that involves you sitting in 20 minutes of traffic to get to the gym only to then have to wait for the equipment because the only time you get there is rush hour? What would be better would be setting aside 20 minutes while your dinner is being cooked in the oven. When motivation is seen as a challenge, it is important to chunk down, not chunk up. So, it is more likely to be successful if your period of exercise from start to finish takes 25 minutes than if it was to take two extra hours to your day. So, when thinking about what you would like to be motivated about, ask yourself, what is the easiest thing I could do to start? For the most part, your answer will be around either A, the length of time it takes, or B, the perceived difficulty of the task, or C, the level of perceived reward at the end. If you can tinker with any of those to make the process easier, you will feel yourself more compelled to do it.
So that concludes this episode. Remember, motivation isn't a thing. It is how you set up the act in your mind and environment that makes you compelled to do more or less of something. It is merely the instigator of action. So thank you for tuning in and I look forward to speaking with you next time on Workproof Your Brain and Body.